Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Hot D, the officially unofficial podcast for House of the Dragon on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're back with uh, a little bit of news to talk about. The, the, the biggest piece of news, perhaps, that everyone has been waiting for for years now uh, is finally out there. It's on the table to be discussed. Uh, that's the release date, which uh, is August 21st. And we'll talk a little bit more in depth about this here in a second. Uh, but we want to talk about that. We want to talk about some of the other stuff that's going to be happening on television at the same time in the same genre. Uh, the biggest one being Lord of the Rings, Ring of Power. Um, Rings of Power? What, what is the exact title of that? Do you know? T-Rop. <laughs> yeah, the Rings of Power. All right. We're going to talk about Hot D and Trop uh, and how they're going to play off each other uh, and play against each other. And who knows? Maybe they'll play nice with each other. Uh, but Aaron, what what do you think about this release date, August twenty first? I feel like releasing these uh, these hot D updates uh, triggers a massive influx of of news because as soon as we got the recording the last one, George uh, took to Twitter, <laughs> took to his blog, said, uh-huh. "Yeah, filming's complete." That was uh, February seventeenth. We got a release date pretty quick after that. Uh, still haven't gotten a new trailer, so I guess we we, we haven't got the onslaught. But I. Um, it's interesting because we've known for a long, long time that the Ring of Power is going to be released the uh, 1st of September, September yeah. 2nd, I think. And them going August 21st really takes it. You know, that was kind of like a little bit of a nightmare scenario that will, for me that we'll talk about here, here in a bit. <laughs> but like that's an aggressive move because oh, yeah. uh, Rings of Power is eight episodes. House of Dragons, 10 now I don't know if game uh, if if HBO or Amazon is going to do something goofy like release two three episodes to get the pump primed, um, or they're going to release two a week. That's more of like a, maybe an Amazon move. Uh, but if, if assuming they just do one a week, which is kind of the standard for both of these platforms, their finales are going to go head to head same week. Great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, think so. I, I, you think that's intentional by HBO, or was it just like let's get it out a couple weeks before? And oh, oops, it happens to end on the same week. I don't know. I don't if so. I think it's 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 an interesting move because it's something that in these these shows are going to be compared anyway, and mm-hmm. maybe that's the the what they're they're playing for. But this like especially invites comparison, right? Because, you know, we've we've done before on entirely unrelated shows like who won the week when we've had three good prestige shows at a time, like who had the best week of television. You're going to get that every single week. And my question is, is there enough interest to sustain both? Because there's many instances in American, you know, pop culture history where you've had similar projects square off. I'm thinking Tombstone versus Wyatt Earp, The Matrix versus Existence. 
Armageddon versus Deep Impact, A Bug's Life versus Ants, Turner and Hooch versus K9. These are all movies that came out within months of each other that had the same theme. And Mm -hmm. almost always one of them does much, much better Um, because like, let's say that uh, you think Tombstone's like a 97 percent country western, not country western, western uh, cowboy movie. And Wyatt Earp is like an 85 percent. Wyatt Earp still comes off bad in comparison, right? Sure, uh, sure. If you have a decent thing and then something's a superior version of that and, you're, and you're, your eyeballs are watching both at the same time, yeah, it, it's, it's, it seems risky. It seems risky. Especially uh, if you're Amazon spending, from what I hear, half a billion dollars on a season of television. Uh, yeah. You don't want to be like the 85% to House of the Dragons 90% and come off as like, worse significantly worse right like even if your show isn't that's true timing. i feel like house of the dragon has a much better like if i'm a fanboy or a fangirl of both franchises i feel like mm-hmm. i want to be a hot a hot d one because yeah. you can always go back like well if, if lord of the rings is fucking amazing and house of the dragons is a little bit less you can always like well you spend three dollars to r1 then sure. you're going to see that on the screen but if lord of the rings comes across as as the inferior product oh my god there's no place to hide right right <laughs> you know you're you were expected to win and you failed uh but yeah i i can think of one instance where very similar material came out within months of each other even on the same platform and both of them did well and that's the boys season two and invincible season one. Hmm. Okay. Both of those hyper violent anti hero superhero type material that cover a lot of very similar ground. Um, both of them were extremely well received. Uh, both of them were renewed easily. Both of them had uh, passionate fan bases. You did have one animated versus one live action. Uh, so you got a difference in medium, but it I can I, that's about the only one I can think of when something has come out and uh, the one is seen as and it doesn't even, it doesn't even be it have to be the first to the market either. It's just mm-hmm. one is seen as better than the other, and the other seems to be an, an, an aftermarket or an afterthought rather. Yeah, de- definitely they're they're going to be compared, and I don't even know if it's fair to compare them like as as someone who's not a big fan of high fantasy i'm certainly more interested in house of the dragon i really like the lord of the rings movies um i'm not a super fan of lord of the rings i've watched the movies i've never read the books um liked the movies but it's high fantasy right it's an action adventure type stuff it's not deep inter-character drama um and, and that's what i come to game of thrones for is how is this all going to play out between characters and factions? And uh, I'm looking for drama in that. I don't expect nearly as much of that from the Lord of the Rings series. But then again, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan, so I don't know the the lore behind this section of Lord of the Rings. And as a bald move insider, that was the first thing I kind of like went, because like I know you and I know your appetite for high fantasy uh-huh. and having two and like, let's make no space. Make no mistake, Hot D is going to be a higher gear of fantasy than uh, Game of Thrones was on average. Oh, sure. Um, With a bunch of dragons roaming around. Yeah, right. Like, I think with a a casual fantasy fan is going to these these shows are going to be kind of confusing. You're going to have a bunch of crazy character names. And to the extent that, (laughs) you know, Game of Thrones had. 
you know, uh, people referring to keep people as Sean Bean and and the the shifty guy from uh, uh, The Wire and uh, you know incest incest brother and incest sister. You're going to have that times ten because you're going to have all these people with crazy fucking names uh, with very similar content. I, I think it is going to be confusing, and I do worry about. Um, maybe if someone had the appetite for one, I'm thinking of people like you, I'm thinking of people like Bill Simmons, the people that don't like the quote unquote people walking through the woods type of genre, um, having huh. both of those seen as must see television, having to ingest two plus hours of that per week. I, I do, I do get nervous. It's just, there's enough, there's enough appetite to go around, especially when you think that like, these are going to be swerves from people's expectations of the core material. Like, Lord mm. of the Rings, the movies, in that setting, yes, it's very magical and you've got Balrogs and all this other and ring rates and all this stuff. But in comparison to what you're going to see in the Rings of Power, that magic was very much in decline. You've got that's a story of the ascension of man who is going to push out the rest of the magical world. The elves are on in decline. Uh, hobbits are in decline. Magic overall is in decline. The world's becoming less and less magical. Uh, versus the rings of power where the elves are going to be the reigning supreme mankind is envious upstart there's just much more mythical times it's old testament bible versus new testament um, so if you like and, filigree i guess you'll be happy because yeah <laughs> boy those elves love it if you like autumnal themes and uh-huh. and, and vernal uh, uh, uh color schemes are going to be super happy and then Game of Thrones, you got the opposite problem because, well, I guess, no, it's a similar because in Game of Thrones, you had this universe where magic had gone out, you know, it completely waned yeah. uh, and it was undergoing a subtle rebirth that, that didn't even really fully manifest until the end of season one versus Hot D, House of Dragons, where dragons are just a fact of life. They're going to be, you know, a, a couple dozen of these things in existence. They're the bedrock of political power. Uh, they are the nuclear strategic weapons of their time. You have no shit witches and warlocks serving as political advisors. You know, I might have the hand of a king that's going uh, hmm. uh, or, or a master of whispers that's going to like do divination and shit like that. Um, is that less interesting than the scheming of Littlefinger and Varys? I think for a lot of people, it might be, you know, it might it's be. just less. Yeah. Uh, so I can certainly I, excuse dragons just saying like, oh, they're a, they're a creature, right? Like they're they don't have to necessarily be magical. Like you could see a rain of fire makes a case for dragons not being magical, right? Oh, they got these glands and they shoot fire and they just like live in these places, whatever. I can see them being creature. But yeah, when you're talking about divination and stuff like that, it starts to get pretty magical pretty fast. And no matter how you look at it, Matthew McConaughey shirtless, still magical. That's a creature. Yeah, that's uh, a that's a fucking creature. Uh, that you, you say magic, I say with. creature. <laughs> uh, so you Here's got to comp- Let me say this: I, I think like I'm looking at this as a podcaster, right? Someone who is going to devote their entire week to these two shows full time, uh, with maybe like a movie podcast or something in between. I think it's a little easier to take when it's literally just as a viewer, you sit down and watch two hours of television in a week. I think it's not as hard to swallow if you're if you can passively engage with this stuff. Uh, as a the lore master part of this podcast, that's something that adds my intim- to my intimidation level because it's already yeah. a lot of pressure to keep up on uh, all the lore, the deep lore of the Game of Thrones universe, the world of uh, a Song of Ice and Fire. 
you talk about the Tolkien side um, or Tolkien side, <laughs> right? I that's something I haven't really been into for 20 years. So I'm going to have to really bone up on that simultaneously while I'm boning up uh, on my fire and blood history. I think we're going to have some help in that regard, um, which will be news to come in future updates. But it mm-hmm. is intimidating. I, I do really want to do a good job. You know, the spoiler stuff was a big part of the uh, success of our other Game of Thrones podcast. Um and I don't want to disappoint people, but I also want don't want to uh, alienate a whole bunch of passionate Tolkien fans because I'm certainly that. Yeah. It's just I'm, I'm I'm rusty at it, and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's tough. It feels like I'm I'm gearing up. Uh, it, you know, either cross country skiing or expert marksmanship is tough enough, but I'm gearing up for a fucking biathlon here. Yeah, I'm gonna be you know ha- have. Uh, my my ball rogs and uh, on my my back pocket. I'm gonna be skiing on dragons, and I gotta come up this target and start. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got these different like storytelling and release philosophies. There's also a com- competitive uh, competitive uh, production philosophy between the two outfits. You alluded to this. Uh, the Rings of Powers philosophy is essentially spare no expense. Yeah. You mentioned this uh, half billion dollars uh, that comes from a Vanity Fair um, deep dive that they did earlier this uh, the year where they estimated the total cost of season one to be four hundred and sixty five million dollars divided by eight episodes. That's an eye watering fifty eight million dollars per hour of television, uh, especially right. when you compare it to Amazon's previous fantasy project, Wheel of Time, which had a modest $10 million, still expensive hmm. by any TV budget's uh, stretch of the imagination, uh, an increase of, I think it was $6 million per episode in, in, in Game of Thrones season one. Um, and on top of that, if, if, if you paid attention to the reviews and kind of general thought on Wheel of Time, it was perceived as kind of shaky on the special effects uh, mm-hmm. You know, can, can you know, like like some of them was gr- some of it was great, some of it wasn't. Uh, people, some people blame the pre-production design versus the actual execution of it, but it was seen as kind of like disappointing slash goofy. Um, and Amazon, you know, is is, is pledging a five season, one billion dollar commitment to the Rings of Power. I mean, obviously a lot of this $500 million is like pre-production work. That's going to be taken advantage of for all the seasons. You know, if you create uh, a a, a elf fortress or a a dwarf fortress, you're going to be seeing that probably for many, many seasons, the costuming, the weaponry, the uh, hiring, all the artists to visualize the pre-visualize all this stuff coming up with the 3d models. There's a lot of like upfront costs. It's not like $465 million. That's going to be every season hints. But this is an incredibly expensive uh, show. And you compare that to House of the Dragon, where uh, HBO is very upfront about intentionally limiting production costs to under $20 million per episode. Um, hmm. Yeah. And so that's like a third. That's, yeah. And that's still seen as a pretty big increase because uh, the last season of Game of Thrones cost HBO about $100 million per season. Um you know, with six episodes, that's still around what fifteen million dollars per. But this, it's still an increase. But it's compared to what the other guys spend, and uh, they're really it, it's 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 not near the scale. So I did read an article where a Game of Thrones or a House of Dragon production insider who remained nameless. This is an off the record comment. They mentioned that uh, 
HBO has just gotten so good at these big science fiction shows. And they cited like Westworld, his dark materials, of course, Game of Thrones. They've got so much in-house production expertise that like they've got economies of scale. Like instead of artists being like, Jesus Christ, we don't know how much it's going to cost to depict a dragon flying over a field and setting it on fire. It's something that they've got in their wheelhouse. It's something that they can better estimate. They're not going to waste money trying to come up with techniques and things. They've got those things pioneered. Uh, do you buy the economy of scale art, uh, argument or is this kind of like bravado in the face of $60 million episodes on the other side? Uh, I'm trying to remember what they were spending. I, weren't they spending like half that on episodes for Game of Thrones? Weren't they talking the, about like $10 million? Yeah, the stats episodes? I saw that the last two, the, the last season of uh, Game of Thrones cost $100 million. And the, uh, that was true of the last three six. seasons. But oh, okay. so that was like, okay. I think, six, seven and ten episodes. OK, so they were spending, you know, probably cl- approaching 15 million per episode. I, I think. It, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know why that it would be the case that 20 million would not be enough to get this done. I know there's going to be more uh, effect shots, right? More dragons means more effect shots. But if they're upping the budget for this thing, I don't know why, because I was not dissatisfied with the production value almost across the board on game of thrones so this is true that wasn't the problem the final the final season no god no um there were a couple of rough shots but basically everything looked great i don't know why adding five million dollars couldn't get the job done per episode um it, I, and i do think the game i think the the house of the dragon the hot d is going to be a bit more grounded than the rings of power because you know tolkien is a little bit higher fantasy there is much more even though you've got the promise of several dragon but the way martin writes is you know it's much more political intrigue and character based stuff and yes you will have like a set piece battle or two this first season mm-hmm. but it's not going to be like wall to wall the way that like um over on the Tolkien uh, over on the tolkien side you know, uh, if you want dwarves and elves standing together, that's a fucking effect shot that's going to have to be composited every single time. You're going to have yeah. to have fake ears on people. You're going to have to have what, whereas it's a lot more modest, you know, almost Shakespeare in the park type of budgetry on the other side. If you just want a Targaryen to stand next to, a, you know, a, a Stark, you don't uh-huh. have to go to blue screen to make that happen. Right. You don't have to force camera yeah. perspective and synchronize camera moves and things. It is interesting. I, I noticed that the per episode cost of Stranger Things, it's another thing we have public information. The Wall Street Journal released that uh, the per episode cost of Stranger Things is 30 million. Oh. So House of the Dragon. And that's still like a lot of things we say about, you know, that's a, I think that's still what I would call that more grounded. You know, it's 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 a period piece, but, you know, you can go to Goodwill for most of your yeah, costuming. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of shocking when you say it's 30 million. Uh I, I don't know, man. I I'm looking at like big budget movies to to get like like an idea of dollar dollars per minute of film essentially. Like if you look at Infinity War, right? The Big Avengers, one of the Big Avengers movies, uh Marvel spares no expense on their stuff either. The Infinity War movie had like a, a estimated budget of 325 to 400 million. And that's just over two hours of footage. So, like, when you say, okay, they're going to spend five, almost half a billion dollars on eight hours of television, I think that's not so crazy. 
I mean, yeah, you're not going to have the box office uh, results of like two billion dollars coming in from, and that's you know, that's what Marvel I was had, come but back like, with, yeah. But but all all the tie-ins for merchandising and stuff, I I feel like it, look, Amazon, say what you will about them, but they do invest in the future of their company a lot, and it seems like this is their big play to get people to notice Amazon Prime in a big way. Um, and if they can spend half a billion dollars to get, a, you know, a hundred million new subscribers to Amazon Prime, that's totally worth it for them. And I mean, that's a big goal. I don't know that they'll necessarily get there with this, but I could I could easily see the justifications going on behind the scenes at Amazon to make this all work out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I do feel like they're going to have to really lean on that merch. And I, that's something that, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I've seen Amazon do that well. Like, yeah. where is the boys merch? Where is the Expanse merch? And it's insane because that's their thing is they make shit and they <laughs> ship shit. And if someone's doing a better job, they'll have an Amazon bakes, basics version of that thing. Yet they're just completely flat footed uh, when it comes when it comes time to doing the merch. In fact, the best Expanse merch to date has to be bought off the Amazon platform because it's right. other people doing third third uh, party uh, versions of it. Um, it's it's kind of insane. What, what do you think about do, what do you think the odds are that Amazon's going to release Rings of Power once a week? Uh, I think that's 100 oh, percent what uh, HBO is going to do. I, I don't see them even releasing two uh, at the at the top. No, probably uh, not. I think it's very high, you, almost 100 percent. Yeah. What do you think the impact of uh, having dueling finales is going to be then for the season? <laughs> well, okay, so here's the thing. Amazon typically releases their shows late Thursday night or Friday at midnight. Um, right. Which means it won't necessarily be impacted too much, you know, from a scheduling perspective uh, with Game of Thrones coming, or sorry, House of the Dragon coming out with its final episode. I think... It, it's definitely, like you said earlier, going to encourage comparisons. Um, there's no way around that. But as far as like scheduling goes, I think they'll be fine. You know, give people five days to digest Game of Thrones. They'll be waiting. They'll be eager to see your Rings of Power on Thursday night. Yeah, I think it's it'll... It, there's two ways it'll go. One is the most fun way is if both of these shows are blo- matching each other blow for blow. Like every single, like you're you're heading into the penultimate episode and everyone's super on board and super yeah. exciting. And then it's just like, you know, who's it, it, it's kind of like uh, the difference between watching a very close sporting event versus a blowout. The worst sure. is going to be if, if one of them are just, you know, uh, struggles for the first few episodes uh, is confu- kind of a confusing mess, and it's just kind of like a ass kicking blowout. That's going to be it's going to be a bad time for the whichever fan base uh, would find themselves on the side uh, side of that. Yeah, and I guess the the third option there is not quite as bad if both of them suck. <laughs> Neither of them <laughs> then, looks particularly bad next you'll to have, the other. But yeah, you'll have you'll have subreddits and forums and Twitter threads full of uh, f- uh, fellow misery miserable people. Uh, 
Because that's the thing. Like, if one of them is yeah. kicking the other's ass, you know, just like in real life sporting events, the the victors are going to be coming and rubbing the salt in those wounds. You know, they're oh, going to be yeah. making fun of the 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 knife ears. Uh, they're going to be making fun of the hot D. Who, who knows? Uh, uh, my, I, I, my hope is that hot D is the better of the shows, or that they're both excellent. Because yeah, I. I'm definitely rooting more for Hati. That's that's oh more my god! My you, you fool! You're revealing your bias this early. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I, I put I, all my cards on the table here. I can honestly say I have the completely divided uh, loyalties as a younger man, and I'm going to say up until my early 30s, I was 100% Lord of the Rings. I was not an early adopter of <laughs> Game of Thrones. I started watching it when the show came out. But since my like I, you know, Lord of the Rings kind of I, I thought the Hobbit trilogy was complete shit <laughs> it's and awful. a waste yeah. of time, a complete wrongheaded approach to material. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's it's been Game of Thrones supremacy. And of course, Game of Thrones also fumbled the ball on yeah. the one yard line. But I still like have a lot more affection and uh, I guess institutional lore still in my brain kicking around for for the Game of Thrones stuff. So. I, I hope they both do well. I hope it's a return to form for Middle Earth and, uh, frankly, Westeros. They both ha- are coming into this with slightly tarnished reputations from the material sure. that fans have seen, you know, the the, the last material that they've seen. Uh I got a couple other things. There's so uh, there's uh, you know, we're in this situation where they've had the release schedule. We haven't had a new trailer. There hasn't been any new casting news or filming shutdowns. There's not any breathless reports of new locations and stuff. So I did find a report from Screen Rant uh, by James Hunt. This was published earlier in April, April 5th, where he cited the dearth of dragons in the official posters, the teaser trailer. Uh, the other pre-marketing materials that's been released. Specifically, he draws attention to the emphasis on cracking eggs nest, and he he took this into some kind of theory that this means that don't count on a lots of dragons being in season one. Um, what what do you think of that take? Uh, it, it, well, okay. So the little bit that I do know about the story here that might be a decent guess. I, I think like as we get more embroiled in the drama of the main story, we will certainly see more dragons going at each other. So yeah, season one might be light on dragons, although I don't think it'll be devoid of dragons. I don't think it's like a Khaleesi wandering in the desert with her dragon eggs for two seasons. I think there will be dragons around. We just won't see like heavy dragon fighting action early on. I think this take is stupid. Like, I mean, and, and it's probably you know you, you can't blame people that haven't read the books, but um, I, I just, I mean, the dragon. Like, why would you expect to see dragons that require the most post production in any of these trailers when they haven't even finished filming yet? Like. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any really special effects in any of these things because they're not done yet. You know, what you can see is people on a set. You can see people walking around outside, but you're going to see dragons swooping around. I actually Mm -hmm. think there's going to be certainly one, probably two, if I had to guess, based on where I think they're going to break down the first season, jaw-dropping dragon set pieces. Or at least they're uh, they're, they're right there in the the Fire and Blood book. So, um, in fact, Gurm... George Martin himself disputed that characterization in a blog post just last week from uh, March or not March, April 29th. He says there's going to be plenty of dragons and battles to be sure, mm-hmm. but the spine of the story is still the human conflicts, the love and the hate, the character drama rather than action adventure. 
And honestly, that made me feel better about the situation because I think that's yeah. what went wrong late stage Game of Thrones. They completely abandoned the intricacies of characterizations and plot and scheming for in favor of just battles, 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 battles. And it uh, mm-hmm. even those battles were great. It the, the the stakes, the stakes weren't there and the story suffered. Yeah, no, it really depends how they break the story, right? Like, are, are we going to see the story really kick into high gear early um, or are we going to have to wait a little while but yeah dragons will be present dragons will be probably be ever present on this show I have to imagine you know when I when I go to do these updates I first go I go to Google News and I put in House of the Dragon and I hit I hit search and I and uh, I was gratified to see Bald Move mentioned as a source for some for some hmm. breaking news uh, if you didn't know, uh, Maester Anthony, who's been uh, keeping our seats warm doing the Electric Boogaloo uh, Game of Thrones coverage, he had on um, the the linguist from uh, uh, the, the the Game of Thrones project, a guy that invented essentially all the High Valerian, Low Valerian, Astaporian, uh, Dothraki, David Peterson. He had him on the podcast. If if you weren't if you're not keeping up the Electric Bukaloo, uh, you might want to check that one out for sure. That's the March seventh edition. It's the uh, Game of Thrones uh, Bukaloo bonus Bukaloo, uh, where they're talking House of Dragon and more. Um, this uh, I'm actually going to cite uh, Winter is Coming's Daniel Roman quoting our ba- uh, Bald Move podcast because <laughs> uh, that was one of the many sites we're covering it. Uh, Peterson said there's a lot more dialogue. He had the he was he was he was called on to do a lot more fantasy dialogue than he's expecting. Uh, there's a lot of very well written dialogue. He described it, uh, which really challenged him as a translator. Uh, he said even though he's worked on many languages on Game of Thrones, that High Valerian is the only language he had to do in the first season of House of the Dragon. Uh, but he said, even though there's only the mono language, the sheer volume of High Valerian that he created for season one of House of the Dragon is more than he did for any other season of Game of Thrones to, in, in total. Hmm. So if you are a fan of uh, fictitious languages, you're going to have a treat here um, because he, he pointed out in season three, four and five that a lot of the stuff wasn't High Valerian. A lot of it was like Astaporian dialect. Um, and then starting in season six, like there was hardly any call for services at all. Um, but he also mentioned that there's one particular character that he had to do a lot of tricky high Valerian dialogue for. He says, there's something I was dealing with in the house of dragon because there's one character who, as he is speaking these lines of English, he speaks in a very different way from the other people he's talking to, not necessarily less formal, but perhaps more flippantly. I really want to be able to capture that in the Valerian. Um, and he decided that's one of the the challenges. Like he could he could see how to do the you know he could see the lines as written in English, uh, but trying to catch that same idiom and feeling in High Valerian, he had to invent a bunch of stuff. Um, I wondered when he's talking about that who he could be talking about. Um, the two that seems to be people's consensus is the uh, the Rogue Prince, uh, Damon Targaryen, played by Matt Smith former Doctor Who actor, or uh, Corliss Valerian, the sea snake, uh, the kind of Han Solo roguish character played by Steve Toussaint. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll see who is the flippant high Valerian when that uh, comes out. The other thing is uh, Anthony asked him, like, just his as an, as an artist and a fellow creative, what his impressions were of the scripts. And he said, it's very difficult to read a script and tell what it's going to be like when you see it on screen to see if it's going to be good or not. It's very, very difficult. Um, 
He says he's had experiences where I've read things and I thought they were really great. And then they played out a little prosaically on screen. And he's had the complete opposite reactions where the script essentially says, okay, this happens. And when I see it, I'm like, wow, that's really cool. But he said, what I know about this series is the parts I've been involved with, the writing that I'm reading is better than anything I've ever worked on. Outside of the likes of Penny Dreadful, which for me is my favorite show that I've ever worked on, just reading it, it's really, really good. Uh, He says, it's one of the things that made it feel like a little bit of an extra challenge, like, Jesus, they're not phoning this in, and it really makes me want to bring my A game. Uh, So, I mean, what? I guess, what do you expect the guy to say? Um, Right. And also, some people might like Penny Dreadful. Isn't that weird Frankenstein monster mash thing on uh, Showtime? Don't sleep, especially on the first couple seasons of Penny Dreadful. I think it kind of fell off when they were forced to wrap everything up in like a rushed final season. But that show was good. And I think most of the work he did on there is there's like this uh, demonic like language uh, that, that, that hmm. he invented. It's a satanic language that Eva Green was always uh, spitting. So... There's someone who's read the scripts and says it's the best thing that he's ever worked on, including uh, Game of Thrones. So, you know, again, what what do you expect him to say? Ah, it's trash. It's trash. <laughs> I just uh, I, I just I just I just ran it through an online Valerian translator and called it good. But, uh, it, it, you know, I, I guess I, I'd, I'd rather hear him say it's good rather than like noncommittal, you know. Yeah, and I mean the carryover from Game of Thrones is I I never had a problem with their dialogue. Uh, that that wasn't what let the the end of that show down. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, they didn't conjugate their Valerian verbs correctly, and it just it just really destroyed it for me. Uh, the only thing else I think I've got left to talk about is how are we, as we're getting a little closer, uh, and I know people have been asking us, uh, how are we going to cover this hot D with a fig leaf uh, of coverage? How are we going to do it? Yeah. Uh, well, it depends. Um, it depends strongly on whether or not we get screeners for this show. And it, it'll be interesting, too, because there, just because you get some screeners doesn't guarantee you'll get all screeners for all episodes so it may change mid-season but uh we have a couple of plans and you might be familiar with the no screeners plan um in the scenario that we can't get them and we have to watch the episode god forbid on sunday night for the first time uh we'll do exactly like we did on game of thrones and if you've been with us for a while you know that that means an instant talk uh or, or an instant take podcast immediately after the episode ends which means we will get on the microphones and record our thoughts uh, we we do it live on YouTube for club members, and we take that portion, uh, which is the Instant Take podcast, which is released for everyone, and we combine it with an Instant Talk, which is an audience Q&A kind of thing where they ask questions and we respond to them. We package that with the Instant Take and release it to our club members exclusively. Um, so we'll do that just like we normally do. And then Tuesday, we'd have our, our full uh, episode review of the, the, the episode, and Friday, we would have out a combination feedback and or spoiler kind of take if if the episode warrants it. Uh, and that's spoilers. the thing, like, and I don't because I'm kind of the spoiler guy. Um, I don't because, like, I don't really have a lot of interest in rehashing a bunch of Game of Thrones theories. But it could be that some new shit comes to light about the Targaryen ancestries that blow the lids completely open on some of the 
uh, crazier theories about how you know Game of Thrones is going to end or a Song of Ice and Fire because that's still you know George has got at least two books that he <laughs> says he's going to release one of these days. There could yeah. be some implications there, but I don't know because like I, I certainly don't want it to be like well this week is this happened and next week we've read the next three or four pages in Fire and Blood so we think this is going to happen. Right. I, I don't want it to be that. Um, uh, but but we'll see. We'll see how much of, mm-hmm. of uh, it's like you said, if the show warrants it, if the feedback warrants it, if there's stuff besides, you know, uh, the, the the old, old, uh, same old, same old that uh, we've talked about again and again and again, because, uh, again, there has not been any new information. Uh, Martin hasn't released anything new. The show's been off the air. There's not like I, 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 don't, I don't know what the theory crafters are doing out there. It's uh, they're starving. They're starving and dying in the streets. Yeah, so I think maybe he's holding a a book back, uh, another volume of uh, House of Blood or whatever it's called. <laughs> Fire I don't, and Blood. Man, I, I I don't know. The man's not holding much, but he's he's writing video games. He's writing uh, other True. series and movies. And it's it's, it's some Native American thing. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing out there. But yeah, yeah, uh, I saw that Dark Omens or I, I I forget what exactly the the new show he's working on. But it's not it's not the Winds of Winter as far as we can tell. No. But uh, we, so, we, yeah, yeah, so three three podcasts we, a week is is pretty much guaranteed, right? Whether we get screeners or not. The only thing that's going to change with screeners is instead of doing a live instant take podcast immediately after the episode ends, we will get together before the episode airs, watch our screener copies, and record our instant thoughts then. And we will take the video and audio that we record as the instant take and screen it on Sunday night after the episode comes out. So, uh, and then proceed to answer the questions just like I described before in the Q and A session, and turn that into the instant talk. Um, so, so yeah, it, it'll just be a, essentially a time delayed instant take, uh, and, and it'll look very similar from a listener perspective. It'll look almost identical to us doing it without screeners. It's all, all the only changes that allow us to get a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, uh, a little bit more in depth and a little not in the instant take because that'll be what it is. But uh, mm-hmm. it'll it'll allow us to get the the main cast that comes out and we might be able to get it out a day early because we'll have all of our notes and stuff ready to go. And the, Maybe, the yeah. Monday will just be kind of like research and seeing other people's opinions and what we missed. Um, but uh, the other thing is, like, I do think we have a good chance of getting screeners. We've tried over the years we've been doing this to get on the HBO screener ecosystem. Mm-hmm. This year, for the first time, we got our foot in the door with David Simon's new We Own the City. We've had full screeners for that. So I'm very hopeful that we'll get and, and maybe we won't get the final one because I, I know a lot of the Game of Thrones seasons past the, the last uh, episode or two or maybe even three critics did not get. Mm-hmm. Um and then we'll have to adjust our, our coverage for that. But I'm, I'm hoping that this just means essentially you guys get better content quicker and allows yeah. us to kind of time shift our watching and things like that, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I think that does it. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else that uh, we, ha- we have to talk about. Um, I'm hoping we do get screeners, but maybe we won't. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um. Anything else we want to talk about? I don't think so. All right. Well, here's us flipping the keys back to Maester Anthony. He has, I think, one more season. This is going to be a supersized season. He's going to be doing two episodes a week. Uh, he is going. He's got, I think, thirteen more chapters to get through with Game of Thrones. Although I could, I, I'm not sure if he's. I'm not sure if he decided on doing one big mega mega season or if he's going to do two smaller kind of like. Uh, 
Stranger Things, Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. my, you know, mini season split in half. Um, but uh, either way, we'll be at the other end of that for with another update. Hopefully, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping we get another new trailer. Um, yeah, that'd be nice. We sh- then being complete the footage and then doing full blown post-production, we should start seeing some of that dragon stuff. And we'll see, yeah, how many dragons you got in this first season. Yeah, we'll see. And like I said, it's it's going to be fun. These great science fiction, I'm sorry, these great fantasy <laughs> uh, franchises going mano a mano, dragon a drago uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, here in the fall. So that's our plans for Hot D. That's what we got coming down. Uh, uh, I hope you could do stay uh, tuned to Maester Anthony's because he's got a great podcast. Lots of great stuff. Breaking Game of Thrones news. Breaking Hot D mm-hmm. news. Uh, we'll see you in a couple months. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later. Later.